Today's episode of The Rewatchables brought to you by Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. Free on Vudu right now. The Terminator, Legally Blonde, Air Force One, Zombieland. I like all those movies. Go to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. That is vudu.com slash rewatchables. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com, the world's greatest website, where you can find all of our awesome pieces, the Ringer Podcast Network. And if you love the rewatchables, you can even find rewatchables 1999 on Luminary. We did the Insider last week, the three of us. Truly unhinged podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And now? If you always wanted to hear Al Pacino talk about the Knicks. Yeah, it's a lot of Pacino. And then imagine three guys doing Al Pacino talking about the Knicks. It's there. Well, now we're going to talk about the hangover and where the best three friends (laughs) that anyone could ever have. Here we go. What happened last night? Am I missing a tooth? Oh, Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. He's not here. Where's your car, officer? All right, everybody act cool. Let's just get in and go. <laughs> What's going on? I lost a tooth. I married a whore. How dare you? She's a nice lady. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. All right, The Hangover. God, this was a satisfying movie. 2009, end of a really, really fun comedy decade. And uh, and the one that did the best, that put it all together. I saw this movie in the theater with Adam Carroll, and he actually was sad at the end of it because I think he saw this $500 million movie that he probably could have written with somebody else just yeah. go up in flames. It's funny. It's one of those ideas anyone could have had but and it's they like just one did of those a great job. Where it's like it's right in touching distance. You're like, how did nobody think of this before? Ugh. They just capitalized on it. This thing was a monster. And 10 years later, which the anniversary is uh, this month, it's really fucking funny still. I, it just is delightful to watch. I love it. I've, I This really is the definition of rewatchable because it's on cable a lot. I always get sucked into certain scenes, but watching it beginning to end, uh, I just love it. I feel like it's getting better. I was going to say, I feel like it would be useful to just completely table what's aged the worst in this whole conversation. Like, we shouldn't even do it. It would ruin what's fun about the movie. No. Uh, I was going to say, what's aged the worst is Ed Helms' glasses frames. (laughs) I'm really really not into those like little rectangles. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I didn't like (laughs) Fat Mike Tyson was kind of a bummer. He's in better shape now. I wish they should CGI his pot belly in this movie. Like get a little George Lucas going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, this movie's so satisfying and also really interesting to rewatch in the context of what happened to Bradley Cooper because Mm -hmm. I think this was the movie when we realized he was a major star and he wasn't even the biggest star in this movie in terms of like impact because I think this was the Galifianakis breakout movie. But- Cooper's just so good in this. He's perfect. And that led to Limitless, which just led to the Cooper era. Well, Chris, the biggest thing that stands out to you 10 years later. By far, Cooper. But especially watching it now. The interesting thing is that I feel like one of the things I associate with Bradley Cooper throughout the the 10 years that follow this movie is a certain kind of sincerity. 
and a certain kind of like really wide-eyed, do-eyed, like, yeah, man, we're making great art together. And it's really cool. And even though he's done like some comedies and some action movies or whatever, but man, like he is such a cynical piece of shit in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so contrary to everything he did afterwards where it's like Silver Lines Playbook and even American Hustle where it's just like so, it's so like raw and genuine. But this guy is such a slithering prick in this movie. But you, everybody has a fill in their life. Everybody has that friend who can just talk them into anything. And the way he goes through this entire movie being like, don't worry about it. I know a guy in LA is going to fix the interior. It's yeah. like, it's such a dead on characterization. And it's, uh, and it, he's also a really good friend. It's like, like even it's at like the a, end when Ed Helms is breaking up with his girlfriend and they cut to Cooper and he just has this really happy, genuine look on his face. It's yeah. not like he's like a total bad person. He's just that friend you have. I think it's also a pretty stunningly accurate representation of the one friend you have on the bachelor party who has a wife and has kids, but is just a fucking shitlord yeah, for the whole yeah, weekend. Yeah. It's just like, this guy smoked 400 cigarettes, he lost 10 grand at the tables, and he had sex with a prostitute. <laughs> and this is how this guy lives his life. It may not be how I live my life, but yeah. this is what this guy's doing with his life. Yeah, he's Why the are one you bringing he, up Zach Barron? And, he's never, cool. and he never has a credit card. You know, like as soon as you're sitting down, it's like, yeah, fit, Stu, get this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's broke as shit. At my bachelor party, one of my friends who will, shall not be named disappeared for 28 hours and it was basically the plot of the hangover. So where do we, you, did you ever find out what happened to him or was it darker than what happened to Bartha? It's unclear. They really? just showed up. We <laughs> located him the next day. I guess it wasn't 24 hours. See, it there's, was basically so there's like, a couple of different bachelor party moves. There's that one where it's like, you the guy who's happened. like, hey, I'm going to go play blackjack. And then he just doesn't come back. Yeah. And and then that guy shows up at like brunch the next day and is like, did you guys have fun last night? Yeah. <laughs> but then there's like, there's the guy who is just like, we need to have a body man on this guy because yeah. he could start, like, he could s- cause civil unrest. It if could he's be a like, Vegas a lot- tsunami. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. I had a, I had a friend at, at my bachelor party yes. who went to casino jail. Yeah. And I, he needed a body he man was, the whole time. He was begging someone to arrest him. He was like, yeah. I dare you to arrest me. Yeah. yeah so I that's think one, that's one version. I don't know if they had one of those guys in the, in the hangover. No, but I think ultimately it's a friendship movie. And it brings a lot of elements that I love about Vegas. Like the fact that when you go, you're sit, like them on the roof. It's like, yeah, we did it. Ve- now Vegas has become such a cliche in I so many ways. I wanted to ask you about this because you're a Vegasologist. I am. And I, I feel like I was I was kind of on that initial wave because I was writing about Vegas a lot on ESPN. And it really started mid-90s and snowballed and snowballed. And the whole culture of Vegas really became a thing. And now it's a cliche. But that decade, there really was that feeling of you go to Vegas, you do the Vegas, Vegas swingers joke when you can see the sky, you know, that drive to Vegas is so iconic. And then the whole weekend, anything can happen. You're with your buddies. There's always that one person who didn't totally belong, which is why Alan is such a crucial character in mm-hmm. this. The group you have is never the perfect group. There's always mm-hmm. the one that it's like, ah, oh, well, this guy's here too. All right. Um, and it just hits all those really smartly. And people got mad because I, I think creative people were probably frustrated when this movie made $500 million. Cause they're like, fuck, like this movie was sitting here all decade for anybody. Yeah. But the thing that sticks out to me, you ask Chris what you remember from it or what jumps out to you. The thing that jumps out to me is the one genius decision they made, which is they made a crazy Vegas movie, but they didn't really show you the crazy Vegas movie, you know, by, yeah. by not giving us that first night and then obviously putting it in that amazing and credit sequence. It was just, it was one small creative choice that makes the movie so much better, so much more interesting, and probably is one of the reasons why, if you had just made like 
four guys have one wild night. There have been like a thousand movies like right. that. Yeah. That's not interesting. This is like a mystery. It's a detective you know? movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's a detective movie set right in that moment before smartphones would have basically like made this a a moot point like they wouldn't have needed to like Phil taking all those little notes and like detective style like in his mm. notebook about like okay so we were here we remember Doug being here we went to this chapel uh, that wouldn't have happened that would have just everybody somebody would just had it all on their camera roll there would have been text messages there would have been you know all that stuff so it's like a perfect little time capsule the thing I was kind of thinking about a lot with this movie so this comes out oh nine. Swingers is ninety six, right? Yeah. In between, there's Entourage, and I think you can look at that era as like this, not ironic, but like it was a it was a time period of like sometimes ironic, sometimes not ironic embrace of like brodom and indulgence. Like you know, let's yeah. go to fucking Vegas. Let's let's like drink uh, like a bottle of vodka. Let's blow a lot of money. It was like a very specific time that I remember. I didn't even really get to go to Vegas until I moved out here, which was like 2012. But even going to Atlantic City and stuff like that, I remember that being kind of a factor. It was like a weird, it was a weird 10-year run there. Rounders is part of that too. Yeah. I remember the bit for my old website, the biggest column I wrote was in March 99. I went to Vegas for the weekend with my buddies and I just wrote a whole piece about it, like a really long. Here's a running diary of what happened. Is there something and with it, like somebody pissing in a plant? The Undertaker. Or something? Yeah, I pissed next to the Undertaker, so that was like one of the big stories yeah. from it. But I just did a running diary, and I was like, I don't even know if anyone's going to read this, but I just kind of wanted to get it all down on paper. It was funny to us. And then that thing got passed around, and people were like, "Yeah, Vegas," and it just felt like, especially like the first weekend of March Madness. Mm -hmm. There are all these little Vegas things that was still underground for a while, and. I remember I wrote about Vegas on ESPN.com a bunch of times. 09 was the last year I ever wrote about it. We had a 40th birthday party, and I did this giant piece about Vegas, and that was it. I re retired from Vegas columns. But it really was like every group of buddies, you kind of had to do Vegas. It if you didn't do it, it was weird. Yeah, you definitely mythologized it for me as a reader back then. And I remember thinking it had a certain kind of identity. And then when I got out here and started going much more frequently, and I go probably four or five times a year at this point, I ha I love Vegas, but I have a very different relationship to it. Like, I do like to party there, but for the most part, I like to go there as sort of like um, the way a kid would go to Disneyland. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, there's, there's only like a couple things that you can do, like only in this one place. I will say one thing that stuck out to me about this movie too, though, is that this is feels like the last vestiges of a different kind of Vegas. Yeah, well, I, agree. I think you they know, know that because like they because they, they got to shoot in Caesars and they got to get away with a lot of stuff. And I think initially, like the some of the hotels were a little bit like uh, it's still know, dingy, not super sure. But Caesars was like, go ahead and shoot here; it's okay. And they like they stole a lot of stuff. They they say in the oral history on the Hollywood Reporter of like. They didn't, we just got the fountains. Like we walked by the fountains and we happened to get them when they were dancing. It wasn't like we were in control yet. But didn't, in that oral history, they talked about this was like an amazing movie for Caesars. Oh, it was. It, it really up. like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, and Caesars was not cool last decade. It was really struggling and it was kind of between areas. It, it reinvented it was, itself. Yeah, it was yeah. the play, it was basically the kind of aging hotel that had been passed by Mandalay and by Wynn and by Bellagio and a couple of the newer MGM. ones. Yeah. And, Caesars was like where all the fights had happened was it's going to fame and that it also had a great gimmick. This movie helped rejuvenate it. So two things about that. One, I think one of the things that is different about Vegas now is the idea of going out to Vegas and bouncing to four or five casinos. I don't think that happens anymore. I think you can go to most of the major big casino hotels and just not leave That's, and yeah. still have a great time. I, think, I don't they think I've left a, like more than 
if I unless I have to. They all have a club. They all have ten restaurants. They all have ten two, really good two, restaurants. Two different casinos. Yeah. yeah, like Vegas has changed so much since I went there in the in the aughts. And so this whole idea of them having one wild night and bouncing from casino to casino, I don't even think would make as much sense at a bachelor party. It's almost inconvenient. Yeah, because like we went to the Palm, we went to Hard Rock. Exactly. We, yeah. The other thing. There's usually two casino moves. I remember in the early 2000s, Mandalay was was became a place. And it was really far down on the strip. And if you like, we're going to go to the Palms from Mandalay, it was like, all right, that's ambitious. You got to wait in a taxi cab line 15 to 20 minutes just to get to the Palms. You're making the decision. You're at the Palms from that point on. Now, like you guys are saying, like, you just stay at Caesars. We did that last year at Summer League. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leaving Caesars kind of was counterproductive unless. It, it felt like a waste of time. Yeah, like if you like, stay at the RA, if you stay at the Cosmo, if you stay at the Wynn, if you stay at the Venetian, like all of those hotels have so much shit happening inside of them. Yeah. You don't have to leave. Was yeah. the vibe different in that first decade of the 2000s? Like, would you see weirder stuff happening? Well, like, it's, yeah, it was for, we started going in 95 and it was really underground at that point. And it was, Vegas was still Vegas, but it was, it was way less people. Um, it was easier to get deals. We stay at Treasure Island in the mm-hmm. late nineties and cheap. It's cheap. As yeah, there, it was yeah. cheap. We always had pretty good luck there. Going to Mandalay was like a step up for us, but you know, it was just it was just different. It was all dudes, especially in March Madness. Mm-hmm. It was not you were never there were never bachelorette parties there or any of that stuff. That was never happening. And it was just like groups of dudes and or people that were like lifers. And over the course of last decade, it, you could feel it shifting. And then by, I remember Sal and I went, I don't remember if I wrote about this or not, but we went with our wives and our kids in like 2006, 2007, who did like family Vegas. Yeah. And it was great. Like, so yeah. we didn't realize they had all stuff. these, yeah. yeah, and they had all these stroller entrances that we didn't know they had. And it was like taking Vegas and just flipping it. But I've had every experience you can have in Vegas. And this movie is on a short list of movies that when I watch it, it just makes me want to go to Vegas. Right. Yeah, that's for not sure. a yeah. long list. There's yeah. probably like five to seven movies that you're just like fucking Vegas, man. I well, and go. also I now that I've gone to summer league a couple of times, and you have to go from the hotels over towards UNLV, and you get to see a little bit more of Las Vegas itself. This movie largely takes place outside of the Strip. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it mostly takes place in the chapel, the motels, like all these like weird parking lots, and these guys get it, and then they get pulled the out in the Mojave. And it really does capture, like, it, that place is, it's almost impossible to describe how insanely weird it is that in the middle of, yeah, it's like a moonscape, they just put these, the city down, and then it's, it, even outside the strip, it's surrounded by, like, no, no offense, but relatively depressing city. You know what I mean? Like, outside of the strip, you're like, man, this is just like... Hey, you're in the desert. Yeah. I mean, suburban Vegas has also come a long way. It's actually gotten a lot nicer over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, Tax-free. But it is, I mean, that it was that was by design, what you're yeah. talking about. Oasis in the desert, when when the mafia started building out there and developing, like, that was, that was what they were looking for. They were looking for, like, a getaway where they could build a business where they would be relatively unencumbered in what was thought to be, like, a cavalier state. You know, a state that didn't have as aggressive, like, laws that were as aggressive so they could get away with a lot more. Um, there was also like, I think for 20 somethings going to a place like Vegas where you fly there and you really have a number in your head that you, you can't lose more than that number. Oh yeah, I always oh, do yeah. that. And, but even like the, that's one of my favorite little details is Phil's like envelope where it's like, that's, that's literally all the money he has <laughs> right, that he's yeah. stolen he's from, his children, from his kids, but still is like, 
he goes there with however many hundred when dollars. You're, when you're 27, that number, I remember going there a couple of years and the number was like $700 uh-huh. for me. No and doubt. you lose 500 in two hours. And then it's like, I'm done for the night, guys. It's like you get wiped out. It's, you know, it's like football. You're in the stretcher yeah. getting carried off the field. I don't know. I don't know if I talked about this when we did rounders uh, last year, but. I definitely did that when I would go to the Turning Stone Casino in Syracuse, New York when I was in college, but it was like $180. It was like, if I lose this, I'm definitely not eating tomorrow. And I have to just drive home. And I have to drive home. But if I literally play my cards right, I'll be eating nine pizzas tomorrow. And it was like, (laughs) that was the calculus. So like, I can really relate to to Phil's perils. Fortunately, I didn't have kids at that time and I wasn't a complete fucking scumbag. But I did, I had the same reaction watching it last night. I texted my friends. I'm on a Vegas group chain with friends, one who lives there and two who we always meet up once a year. And I was like, just confirming, are we actually going on November 1st to Vegas? And they were like, yes, we're all going. So it's got, it's a great power of the movie. It's good. I, I think, I mean, in some ways I can't imagine you topping last summer league and you, your, your podcast with Chang and house after that night. Yeah, that really was. That, that was actually a dream still is of mine. like, you know, people are like, oh man, did you ever hear that episode of Marin? Like, that's my favorite <laughs> podcast ever made. It was because the biggest like, post game show. I just felt like I was falling off a cliff the entire time you guys were talking, where you're just like, Chang, bleary eyed, yeah. full of like gumbo from God knows where because it is a landlocked desert. Yeah. And just being like, man, I was like triple betting into some random guy three rows back on a yeah. blackjack. I love the action. And you're like, I understand. Yeah. It was incredible. It was like the Macaulay Hanna scene. It was he, like, was, he was mad at me that I kept him gambling at four in the morning. So he started double betting just to either <laughs> win or lose so he could get out either way. You guys got locked in some sort of weird, what are the rules of betting? Yeah. Argument yeah. too yeah. that was like so arcane. I couldn't even understand it. What, were you, what game were you talking about? Was it craps? What were you talking about? That was craps. Yeah. But, and Chang um, was like betting three He lost his mind with craps. Yeah. yeah. He he basically exposed himself to just collateral damage all over the place with one seven, yep. which is what happened, which is why I hate craps. <laughs> I, I've I've been a bunch of times. I still love it. I just go now. I have dinner and I just play blackjack for 12 straight hours. <laughs> um, that was you and, in Summer League. There was a lot of blackjack. Yeah, I'm really not that fun to go with unless you <laughs> want to play blackjack with me. But I'm really fun to play blackjack with. Uh, the other thing we should talk about this movie is this insane bet that Todd Phillips made, which is like almost too good for half-assed internet research, where his director's fee, I think, was $6.5 million. And then Legendary wanted to cut the budget. They didn't get any of the stars they thought they were going to get. And they kind of panicked. And like, we'll still do this, but you got to cut your fee in half. And then we'll make it up to you if it makes certain money. And Todd Phillips is like, well, what if I don't take a fee, but you give me points? They're like, great. And Todd Phillips ends up with 16% of the movie. Unbelievable. makes $80 million Mm -hmm. and knew he had them over a barrel and probably still is making money now from the streaming and Amazon Prime, all that stuff. Because they all negotiated as a quartet for the next two, right? Yes, which we'll talk about at the end. Okay. The, the two sequels, whether it, how how much we want to acknowledge them and the drop as part off of from the, as part of Hangover Canon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just tough. It's it's a tough one. This one, it's so brilliantly executed. It's brilliantly cast. The four the four people, three of them were great. The fourth one's a throwaway because Doug ultimately doesn't matter as a character. Like you could have put John Krasinski or somebody more famous in the Justin Bartha role. I don't think ultimately it really matters. The other three are perfect. There's yeah. only one performance in the whole movie I don't like. Maybe we can save it. Yeah, I, I think I probably know what that is too. 
Um, uh, anything else before we get to the categories? Because there's a lot to cover here. Shout out Todd Phillips. Huntington, New York's own Todd Phillips. Second or third Todd Phillips rewatchables? This is our second after old second. school. Right. Do you want to do your we'll do Todd Phillips to Bradley Cooper speech again? <laughs> <laughs> Just my favorite, my favorite moment of the entire Star is Born press run was when they introduced the film at Toronto and it gets like the standing ovation. I can't even remember the exact wording of it, but Cooper's just like, this is really all about this moment when Todd Phillips left like a greeting card for me. And it just said, I want you to believe in you the way that I believe in you. And I knew I could make a stars board. <laughs> the best, the best. Um, Cooper in this movie, before we go, mm -hmm. before we hit the categories, um, could Leo have done this part? No, not this way. Matt Damon? Probably. I think I think they're, those guys are both a little bit old. I'm saying 2009. So Matt Damon 10 years ago. Cooper's 34 in 2009. Okay, so Matt Damon early 2000s-ish. Probably. You think so? Yeah, because I, I think he's a he can be an underrated shitheel. You know, for for he could have gone school ties, Matt Damon. Yeah, I, I was thinking Courage Under Fire. You know, yeah. or like Saving Private Ryan. You know, he can be like a little bit of a dick. I think that Coop, the the key here is that Cooper had a little like less to lose. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, like, no doubt. He kind of is playing with an image where he's just like I because he says he was like working on in theater in like Western Massachusetts when yeah. Todd Phillips is like, let's do this. So it's not like he's going to throw away the Bourne franchise by presenting Phil the way he does, right? And it's kind of like, Phil is super extra, man. Like, Phil is really a lot. Who would you put in the Bartha role if you could have cast a better or more famous actor? Because I'm not sure that, I'm not sure somebody could have done better in that part because it was probably the worst written part of all of them. I mean, it's, he just had the least to do, right? I, I don't, Bartha, I guess Bartha's on the good fight. Like, I, have, I don't really know anything not about him. Yeah. I didn't have any relationship to him. I guess he was kind of an up-and-coming guy. He had done some TV stuff before this, but... What is he even doing besides that one moment where he's like, they look at the photos at the end of the movie? And that not not much. Nothing, right? He's that he has some stuff in the beginning. Galifianakis, that one was funny because when we were doing Kimmel the first year, and Kimmel had access to all these really up and calmer comedian dudes that he had worked with on Crank Anchors and just from he was dating Sarah at the time, so in the comedy circles, and Zach was kind of a legend in the underground LA comedy scene. And we had him actually come on. I think he guest hosted once, but he had, he would come on as his twin brother who was like, uh, who was this crazy version of Zach. And so it became this running thing. Like I was Zach's brother and, um, and he was a big part of the show. And, and I think everybody who worked on the show was like, that guy's going to be famous someday. Mm -hmm. And then he had the VH1 show or maybe did that before, but it never really happened. That. Um, yeah, the, you're right. The VH1 show again, can't support that. It never really happened. And then all of a sudden it happened in like the biggest possible is way. The VH1, I, I don't think I ever saw it. Is the VH1 show pretty straight? Like, is it It's weird. It, it was yeah, super weird. It's like hyper kooky Johnny Carson. You okay. know, he's like doing the traditional talk show format, but it's like he was wearing like a jacket with a t-shirt underneath it. And there was like a weird set that was like neon yeah. and had colors. It, it, didn't, it didn't work. It like, was it eight was, years ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. If it was like 2009, it would have worked. Okay. It's kind of like a Twitter Wrong show. Channel too. Okay. More than a, than a yeah, real TV channel. show. So it's fun to see him. I, I loved he's him, just incredible in this. I loved him in... um. 
the Live at the Purple Onion comedy special that he did, which was like was legendary among people who were aware of that special too. And he does that to the two characters. He does the split Galifianakis character in that special. And it was like a hybrid of sketch and him just doing stand-up at the piano. He would always perform at the piano. Wasn't there like a – it was either a Comedy Central or an HBO doc about like three comedians on the road? Comedian? The Jerry Seinfeld one? No, it was like – The Dane Cook one? No, it was like Zach – Oh, Maria Bamford. Bamford. Yeah, yeah, I and remember that. Comedians the, of comedy, yeah. Patton yeah. Oswalt yeah, and Brian Yeah, and Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And it's yeah. like them on the road. And I, that yeah. was when I first, I think, I yeah. think that's when I first that came That was his generation, yeah. Patton, all those dudes. Uh, so this movie, $35 million budget, made $467 million, Won a Golden Globe, which I had totally forgotten best for best musical comedy. comedy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Sold 8.6 million DVDs and Blu-rays in the first week when it was released. It, this was kind of the last movie of that mm-hmm. DVD, Blu-ray, I have to get it era, mm-hmm. which I feel like this decade just kind of died. De- yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That whole market Where, is gone. Because I remember like my wife loved this movie and when it became available for pre-order, she pre-ordered it. She's like, I can't wait to own this, not understanding that in five years we would, wouldn't be watching DVDs anymore. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 78%. Roger Ebert. He loved it. Three and a half stars. Of course. Rog. Rog has been Big crushing fan. it. Yeah, he's having a great 2019. Uh, all right, we're going to do the categories first. A quick break. If you're a podcast and movie fan like we are, check out Luminary. They've launched a bunch of great original shows you can only find on their platform, including a spinoff of this show, The Rewatchables 1999, where we, discuss, we dissect some of our favorite movies from one of the all-time great years in film. Each episode breaks down a different movie, much like this, highly specific categories. Uh, You know the drill. We did American Pie. We did Cruel Intentions. Last week, we did The Insider. We have a whole bunch more coming up, all leading with Sean's head exploding when we do Eyes Wide Shut. (laughs) Make sure to check out other great podcasts in Luminary, like Poetics with O'Mary Hardwick. Luminary app, free to download. Use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including the ones you already love, like the Bill Simmons podcast, or the watch, or the big picture, whatever you want. All enhanced by an easy-to-use interface, personalized content recommendations. If you love podcasts, check out Luminary, luminary.link slash rewatch if you want two months of access to the premium content for free. After that, it's $7.99 per month, luminary.link slash rewatch for two months of free access. If you like this pod, I recommend it. Luminary.link slash rewatch. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. Categories, most rewatchable scene. This is a tough one. First one, first nominee. The drive to Vegas is just fantastic. That's a great like five and a half minutes. The stop at the gas station, Galifianakis in the car, um, all to leading, checking in in the hotel. Really enjoyable. Also, just like really good bit with just Phil starts drinking as soon as he gets in the car, <laughs> yeah. which is definitely like a thing that there was always a, like two guys at the bachelor party who would start getting fucked up on the right. way there. It's too, way too early. Yeah. And then them really in that Galifianakis, realizing even on the car ride that Galifianakis has 17 screws loose and yeah. the whole thing. So that's one. Uh, waking up in the hotel room. Phenomenal. With Not knowing what happened. I think that's, yeah, okay. Yes, definitely. And- the shot of Ed Helms, they do a really nice camera shot when he's like, he's just disoriented and looking around, but the camera's moving with him. And it's like that kind of bleary eyed, where the hell am I look? 
leading to Galifianakis naked pissing next to a tiger. Discovering the tiger. Not even realizing it's a tiger for 10 seconds and just everything. And there's a chicken. Where'd the chicken come from? (laughs) And it's just a mess. Everybody's sleeping on the floor. And uh, the woman sneaking out. The woman sneaks out. It's just, it's a really, really smart scene that just sets up everything. Next one. Um, Brunch with Carlos the baby. Amazing. Really good Cooper scene. Not at the table, Carlos. <laughs> He's jacking his little weenus. Pull yourself together, man. Not at the table, Carlos. <laughs> Nothing makes me laugh over and over again like Car- like him jerking off Carlos the baby. I'm sorry. It fucking hits my funny bone. It's so inappropriate. I fucking love it. It's so funny. It makes me laugh every time he's laughing. He's, oh, he's, look, he's cracking his little weenus or whatever he says. Like, it's just so inappropriate. It would never happen now. And it's fucking funny. And I love it. And I love Carlos. I like that they named him Carlos. I like seeing him in the Bjorn. I just love that whole stretch. So little story about that scene from the Hollywood Reporter oral history. Galifianakis said, they're setting up. He did it first with the doll that was sitting there while we were setting up the shot. I showed Todd and he goes, let's go ask the parents if we can do that. He laughs. He says, I'm like, no. So then it goes to Phillips. I waited for the baby's mom to go upstairs. I go to the dad. It would be funny if Zach pretends to do this. Would you have a problem with that? And the dad literally goes, my wife is going to be gone for a half hour. Can you do it in the next half hour? <laughs> And that's how Carlos the baby gets Jesus fake jerked That's funny. That's good. It's so good. There's no, I, I'm trying to think of the all time, just inappropriate, funny, quick, throwaway things in a comedy. And that's got to be in the conversation for me. Like Stripes had some good ones like that. Caddyshack, just mm-hmm. these throwaway ones that every time they make me laugh, no matter how many times I see it, that's way out there. The stun gun scene, nominated that one for most rewatchable. Tyson reviewing the security footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Them getting the tiger yeah. into the car and Bradley Cooper pretending to hump the tiger from behind. When he's like, it's such a beautiful, majestic animal. <laughs> <laughs> it starts off the tiger. That's good. Uh, the blackjack scene. I yeah. love all Vegas blackjack scenes. We could talk about that after we decide what Gave the most Gave us one of the great memes. Is. The Which one? Jack scene. You With know, the, the numbers. Uh, the calculus. The calculus oh, yeah. In front, yeah, of, yeah. in front of Zach Galifianakis. Oh, that's space. good. Yeah. And then uh, the wedding reception is just awesome. With mm. the Dan band. And, yeah. uh And... Ed Helms breaking up with his girlfriend and just all of it. I just really enjoy it. I had kind of forgotten that whole scene. I didn't realize the movie had that much life left when I was rewatching it, but it is. That part is really after good. They find, it's like yeah. 10 minutes. The Dan man's like, once again, just they they go two for two with grand slams in each comedy appearance. They're going for it in this one. Yeah. My yeah. Lord. I really, really, I, I go for the entire police precinct sequence. I was going to say that too. The stun uh, gun? Just yeah. the stun gun, but also like the payphone call. Yeah. And and him him like leaning over to make the payphone call, and the kid coming up and taking a cell phone picture, and him kicking the phone out of his hands. And it's a really it's a very funny Rob Riggle scene. I was just gonna say it's the funniest thing Rob Riggle has ever done. In the face! In the face! <laughs> that's the funniest. So There's, that's can, can I make that? can I make one more suggestion? Of course. Um, we may not have done right by this person when we talked about him on old school. I'm gonna amend that. Brian Callen's scene at the awesome. wedding chapel is. Unbelievable! Awesome. I was laughing He's so great. Great hard. Fake accent. Yeah. At that scene last. It's the same character. It's the same accent. It's yeah. like Greek, I guess. Yeah. It's also just like really good how 
it's great how it's like you guys were so amazing last yes. night. Like he's kind of greeting them like you, this is the craziest motherfucker I ever met. It was it's just such a great moment. Listen to me, I'm gonna tell you something. I know some sick people in my life. This guy is the craziest, wildest bastard I ever met in my life. Oh, this man. guy? This guy is out of his mind. What's mm-hmm. going on, you fucking Whoa. crazy motherfucker? He kind of sets off the fact that no one remembers all the crazy shit that happened last night, but clearly some crazy shit happened last night. Right. That encounter is the first one, because up until then, they're basically at brunch, and then they have to go figure out what happened. And he's like, he's the first clue mm-hmm. in putting the puzzle back together. And we all really like him. I, I think when we also talked him about him the last the, time. After that, when he's on the phone to, with his uh, girlfriend in front, and pretending to be in Napa. Yeah. And it's like, it's oh, a yeah. goat. It's a baby goat. <laughs> <laughs> the tracks we, uh, have backfired. We were saying, like, we just thought that guy should have been one of the guys that is talked about from mm-hmm. this decade. He never found the right role. So he was in these supporting things. But I just think he's really funny. Brian Callen's, uh Greek grifter character should definitely have his own series can todd phillips adapt that character into a bigger film yeah right i uh i'm voting for brunch with carlos the baby and the bjorn elevator and the the bjorn elevator to the brunch is my favorite part of this movie and i actually about four weeks ago my son we were flipping channels and it came on not good bill jesus christ not good what are you talking about? He, see, see, he sees worse things every day. This is a step up from the stuff he could watch on YouTube. Zach Galifianakis' character gets a, a blowjob in this No, movie. I didn't. I didn't. Show, I got to cut away from the credits. prosthetic dick is visible. In the cut, cut away. He did not see you the closing credits. Ben Simmons and Alan Horn both didn't see the credits <laughs> no, before he, this came he out. didn't see that. But we started watching during the drive. And it wasn't like I was like, hey, we got to watch this. Mm-hmm. We just started. I was just like, oh, I like this scene. And then he's kind of, he's like, what's this? And we started watching it. And he was like dying laughing, but the car, all the Carlos stuff. Is he like, stuff, can I go to Vegas now? No, he was more, he really liked Zach Galifianakis. Okay. Everything that guy did in this movie, he was dying laughing, but he really enjoyed it. He also liked Ken Jung's character, which um, was complicated. Can't say the same. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's aged the best? I really like the soundtrack in this movie. Yeah. It's a lot of generics, predictable songs, but they're all perfectly executed and make sense with the plot. And there's no really bad choices. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not like the Dazed and Confused soundtrack. It sounds a lot like what guys who were going to Vegas right around there. Yeah, it's just well done. And the, the gambling scene is specifically the blackjack with the numbers, but the music they're playing in that and just, it's really smart. I think it was probably well a couple crafted. years I don't know how old it was, but I remember that T.I. song being huge. Live Your Life. Yeah. That was a huge song. Yeah. yeah. Live By the way, that's still a big song. I think we were just talking to, was in my office talking to somebody who was at a wedding asking them what songs. Oh, Tommy. Tommy's sister just got married. Like, what were the songs? Is it still the same songs from when I was going to weddings? And he, it was like very few from this century have been added to the wedding mix. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey Ya with Outkast. But I think that T.I. song is probably in there, right? Yeah, it might be in the mix. I think Bruno Mars. Yeah. Probably Adele. It's probably a handful of people. It's a good have... ringer piece for us. Sure. What songs this century the new have been wedding added canon? to the, yeah, the new wedding? One of the, one of the like underdog ones that I've heard at like 18 weddings, although it probably speaks more to the weddings I go to, is 1901 by Phoenix. Oh, yeah. 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 It's because you're a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I like about Todd Phillips movies I, think I heard it at your fucking wedding by the way <laughs> well you know come what may uh, I like that Todd Phillips is like fuck it I'm really into hard rock yeah yeah. you know like a, the Danzig a song at the beginning of the Danzig movie Danzig a strong move yeah and you know there's the Metallica and old school like he's just kind of like it's okay to be into super aggressive like pop metal yeah 
Well, speaking of music, the Dan band is also aged the best. I think future generations are going to be like, why weren't these, why didn't they play the Super Bowl halftime show? (laughs) (laughs) These guys should be the biggest stars in the world. Uh, It's so funny with it when he does, he's setting it up with that everybody's dancing and then it's like, just the tip. And (laughs) she's got super inappropriate really fast. Uh, Rachel Harris as the girlfriend from hell. Incredible character. Is really it? great. Yeah. It is. What's it, she so angry about? She just takes every stereotype you would have yeah. in that movie and they're like, we're just putting this on steroids, HGH, mm. and every drug we have. We are going to make her the worst character of all time. It's really funny. She shows up at the wedding and she's so mad at him. And then when he turns it on her, it's really, I don't know, it worked for me. I the, thought she was good. The you fucked a waiter on, on a cruise bit is, is really funny. And then yeah. when he leaves and Galifianakis is like, she hates what semen? Is he say? Yeah. That was the irony of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the it's elevator scene, movie, with yeah. the, which starts with Todd Phillips, yeah. who oh, always yeah. throws himself in the How cameos. Many times that whole scene's really funny. Down on a woman in one of his movies, isn't it? It's really like, good. It's like, like his calling everyone. card. I don't know. He's got a brand. It's like you know? Hitchcock walking across the It is. Yeah. It is his version of that. Another what's age the best when they're on the roof and Alan starts reading that letter, <laughs> and it's like, "Hey guys, hello. How about that ride in?" I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> it's just like, hey. <laughs> then uh, there's another cut where they cut the first part of it, but it's the three of them, and he's got the baby Bjorn. They're going into Heather toward Heather Graham's hotel, and he's finishing what he's saying, and he's like, it's got Ted Dancing and Magnum P.I. and that Jewish actor, <laughs> but he, they don't set the three men and the baby part yeah. up. It's just the end. It's really subtle. It's just really nice. Um, speaking of that, Alan says that whole thing about it's not legal, it's frowned upon like masturbating an airplane. And Phil says, I'm pretty sure that's legal too. And Alan goes, yeah, maybe after 9-11 when everybody got so sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. It's not illegal, it's frowned upon like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets so sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. It's a classic. That might have been the hardest I laughed when I was watching it. Uh, I like after he wins all the money when they're in the car and he goes, Alan, you're the man. And he's like, You are too, Phil. Like he has no (laughs) idea how to like be one of the guys. They did a really good job with this movie of always making it clear he doesn't know how to interact. And the copying Phil stuff is really funny. Like just aping everything that Phil does as the movie goes on because he so desperately wants to be like him is really well done. Yeah. And then uh, the two made-up songs, the best friends everyone ever have. And then Ed Helms' song is really good when they're waiting for mm-hmm. the tiger to oh, fall the asleep. Piano. And then we're going to find our best friend, Doug. And then we're going to give him a best friend hug. Doug, Doug, oh, Doug. Which apparently was ad-lib. What else has age the best for you guys? Oh, in Vegas, I would throw in there, too. Every- old, old school, last decade Vegas. Everything Alan says I find funny in this movie. I specific, I particularly liked. Um, you probably get this a lot. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? D- did um, did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and the reaction that the the woman who is working behind the desk gives them, you know, she's she's pitch perfect. I'm ready to do this now. I was going to save it. Is how high is Alan in the Pantheon? 
for for comedy, like comedy movie, movie characters. Who's he in competition with? Like, first of all, good good question. I think the criteria has to be: Has there ever been anybody quite like this character? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it can be the star. I think it has to be somebody who you didn't necessarily was going to realize the star, but basically did a stealing the movie type thing. You know, like Will Ferrell in old school. I mm-hmm. think is a good like mm-hmm. Frank mm-hmm. the Tank, but John Candy in Stripes. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray and Caddyshack, Ted Knight and Caddyshack. He's in that Rick conversation. And Ghostbusters, maybe? No. So did he like? Have you doubled over? I think I think Bill Murray is more the. Well, cop. he's fucking hilarious in yeah. it, but like Rick Moranis is like, you, you don't find him that funny in that. No, I do. Was who is in there? Something about Mary. Was there a candidate for that one? Well, everybody is really funny in that. Everything Matt Dillon says kills me. The Matt something Dillon about teeth. Mary. Um, and also uh, Chris Elliott too. And there's something about Mary, um, going way back, Michael Keaton in night shift, mm-hmm. Billy Blaze Jasky. That was like, he made, but he made him a star. Are we talking about the star of the no, movie? No, it can't be the talking star. about the person coming out of nowhere and stealing the movie. It has to be somebody that's, wasn't the biggest star in the movie, but then had just had this part. Like that, Steve Carell and Anchorman, like something like that. Yeah. Steve Carell and Paul Rudd and Anchorman. Yeah. McLovin. McLovin. Oh, that's McLovin. A good one. That's Craig. a really good one. That's a good Way one. Way to go, Craig. From the bleachers. Like that one, even uh, the 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 bad scenario of this would be that weird character in Wedding Crashers well, when was, they're going forward and it backfires. I was gonna say Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids was like this. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's, that's great. a good. That's one. That's the perfect one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the perfect yeah. one. Where you were just like, "Who the fuck is that? Yeah, that person's hilarious." Yeah. Um, so whatever this category is, Galifianakis is in that conversation mm-hmm. where they. Well, uh, you, you could just say like Galifianakis is H the best in a lot of ways. Breakout comedy. Coming out of this movie, you're like, oh, that a lot of things are going to happen for that person. Mm-hmm. John Candy was like that in Stripes. I didn't watch SCTV in 1981. Mm-hmm. I knew it, people liked to pretend they did, but I didn't even, it was on in the middle of the night. And I knew him as Ox. That was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. And it was like, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's mud wrestling people. And um, So anyway, big winner, Galifianakis for What Stage the Best. Anything else for What Stage the Best? Mm-hmm. I, I honestly was just surprised by how well the movie stood up. Like when we, when I finished it with my wife last night, we were like, "That movie is fucking funny." <laughs> yeah, I was expecting because I didn't. I don't. I don't have as much of a rewatchable relationship to it. I don't, maybe don't watch it as much on cable as you do. So I, going back, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if this is going to work." And it really, really, really just in in total helped. Yeah, up. I think you could even be more specific and be like, the actual plot of the movie is good. Yeah, like the actual like what happened to them is is really well done. Which it, though, if it falls apart there, if it be just be if they didn't yeah. have that, it would have just been if they didn't meet Jade and they don't meet Mister Chow and they don't meet you know everybody else along the way. You're kind of like, what are we doing here? But you when they when they're like he's on the roof, you're like, oh shit, he's yeah. on the roof. Black Doug figured it out. <laughs> what, and what's age the best? Another one that I think would just be the brevity of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's really it not zips. a wasted section. And all the great movies have at least like, all the great comedies have a five minute, eight minute stretch where you're just like, eh. This is also probably the last one because the next phase of movies after this is the Apatow era where everything the is McKay like two Apatow. hours and 10 yeah. minutes. And, yeah. you know, this movie's an hour and 35 minutes, basically. Yeah, long shots, like 220. It's yeah. never still in that era. I wouldn't change a thing. It, it was one of those things when the DVD came out, I was excited to see what the deleted scenes mm-hmm. were because mm-hmm. you knew they left some stuff. Oh, the, the, the end credit sequence, too, I would say has aged really well. Just that as yeah. like a convention to, mm-hmm. to just put all that stuff in there the way that they did it was really great. They pretty much invented Marvel right there. It's funny. <laughs> I, I I had that for what stage the it's worst. Great take. <laughs> I had that for what stage the worst and here's why. Ten years later, it's hard to 
capture how fucking funny that was the first time you saw it in yeah. the theater. Yeah. Because okay. it was like, the movie was really good. In the theater, everybody's laughing their ass off, super satisfied. And then they're like, hey, guys, found this camera. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? And then the pictures, and it was just so good and so fast. And Wayne Newton's in there and Carrot Top and all the Galifianakis is getting blown. It's like, what is <laughs> happening? It just ratcheted up 17 notches. It's hard to end comedies too, and ha- oh yeah, have people walk out feeling like, oh, that was so funny because inevitably they have to like wrap up the story. You can't yeah. have a big comedy set piece at the end. So that was a genius way to have people walk out of that theater and be like, "That's my favorite movie I've ever seen." Like I remember people yeah. feeling that way. That was the funniest movie I've ever seen, is what people said because the last thing they saw was Carrot Top, Wayne Newton, and Zach Galifianakis getting I, blown. I can't remember another movie ending with the biggest laugh. Yeah. Yeah, because I do feel I feel like in the theater the people were laughing the hardest at that. So in a weird way, that's aged the worst because now everybody knows it's coming. Mm -hmm. The sequels have aged terribly, and I'd rather not talk about them. It's almost like easier to pretend two and three didn't happen. I mean, they basically disavowed three. They they have more or less come out and been like, we definitely just did this for the money. Right. Yeah. Two two has moments. Right. Um, Two's pretty dark. Yeah. Two is in is it Thailand? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that talk about what's aged the worst. There's some what's aged the worst in there. Uh, the surprise Mike Tyson cameo has aged the worst for this reason. It really was a massive surprise in 2009. Now we know he's in the movie. There's no surprise to mm-hmm. it. But one of the things in the marketing of this movie is like, Mike Tyson's in this? <laughs> like what? I think Mike Tyson he was like that. Scenes? <laughs> yeah, and it turns out he, he even admits he was battling a lot of drug stuff yeah. during this mm-hmm. and all this, but- that was really a draw to the movie for me. It was like, they, they're going to do scenes in comedy with Mike Tyson? That's insane. The Mystique of Vegas, we talked about that earlier. I think that's that's turned into something else. Vegas has become so commercialized now. I know. I think it's much harder to pull a mo- movie like this off now. It would feel very like branded content. Everything would feel like uh, it was a partial money grab. Things were strategically placed. I, I didn't feel that way with this movie. Who let the dogs out has aged the worst. <laughs> it just feels like it's definitely 10 years ago when you hear that in this movie, you know? Be- yeah, that's true. That's like a very literal definition of what's aged the worst. Yeah. Is being able to play a song like that in a movie and not have it seem like a complete joke. But I feel like they're even making it a joke back then because doesn't somebody right before a play say like, who let the dogs out? And then it starts like, <laughs> who let the dogs out? Let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Who brought this guy along? I said Justin Bartha just because he didn't come out of this being really famous. And it's like if Sudeikis had been in that part, would that have added to the mystique of this movie? Like, I don't but think it matters. But he's not in the movie. Yeah. So I don't think it's like you can't be like, man, if they had just put Hall in it or something, that, that would have been great. Hall would have been amazing. CR and I saw Bartha once out in the wild. Yeah. We were at a wine Let me tell you tasting. something. He's enjoying life. He, was, he seemed really happy. He was thriving. He was, this is probably 2012. Yeah. He dated he, one of the Olsen twins for a while. He was dating her she, at the time. She was present. We, he was, he seemed like he was having a, a ball. My wife and I went to the SOS hotel for dinner once and they were sitting one table over and he was dating her, but it was with both Olsen twins. And then Gal Fanaka showed up and we were like, oh. LA is so fucking weird. Like, it's just, just like, we just saw this movie six months ago. That's one of the nice things that maybe we missed this for what's age the best, but 
these guys obviously really became friends. Yeah, yeah. true. Well, they and, knew each other before him. Yeah. That was part of the thing is that I think they were all like social acquaintances at least. That's why yeah. I like, that's why I'm ultimately with the Bartha thing because he does, they did seem like they're generally friends with them yeah, and the they do all feel like they're friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, final what's aged the worst is probably the winner. The Ken Jong playing up the tiny dick, crazy Asian stereotype. Not great. It's not great. It was funny in the moment. Um, you just read Donnie Kwok on the ringer. He yeah, wrote Donnie about Kwok wrote about this last year. It's not great. Any other what's aged worse for you? Uh, the only other thing that I thought was a little weird going back to see it was um, Bartha's fiance accepting the idea of them staying one extra night and getting back the day of the wedding. I was like, we oh. have that covered in nitpicks. Okay, okay. Are we? We're not going to do the homophobia at all. Yeah. Okay. We no, it's like, just my, <laughs> it's there. My, I'll be curious to see if that sort of thing ever happens in movies again. No, it will not. You don't think so? No. There's a couple of lines that you just you'd be surprised if they if, if you ever hear a line like that again. Yeah. Casting what ifs? They almost cast Lindsay Lohan as Jade. Phillips decided she was too young. That's now spun into a revisionist story that she turned it down and it was the biggest regret of her career. He's adamant that he did not cast her because she was too young. Mm -hmm. Lohan in this movie would have felt very 2009. I also liked having Heather Graham in it. I'm not sure how I feel. I don't know what, what version of Lohan they're catching in 2009. Not a good one. No, I think so, yeah. Heather Graham is perfect for this. I completely agree. I think her being a little older makes it work better. I think also, I know you're a big, um, I heard you guys talk about this on Mean Girls, a big believer in uh, Lohan's talent. And like what was what she frittered away? It was gone I'm, by I'm that. I'm not as much of a believer in that theory that she was like this great Goldie Hawn esque movie star, and we like missed out on that. Oh, how dare you! And and trust me, again, Long Island. Like I should be Team Lindsay, but in this case, that's terrible. Like this is your worst take you've ever had. <laughs> Heather Graham is legit funny. And you she's, don't you don't watch like Freaky Friday and Parent Trap. Obviously, those aren't on your radar. No, All the parents bad. revere. No, she's great in those movies. Eh, Parent Trap, she's amazing. She plays two different people. One of them have an English accent. She's flawless. Eh, it's fine. She's like Meryl Streep in that movie. <laughs> amazing stuff. She's like a 17-year-old Meryl Streep. She's like Meryl Streep? In that movie. She's 17-year-old Meryl Streep in training. Freaky Friday? She's not as good in that one. Parent okay. Trap, she's great. Okay. We, I meant to have the Heather Graham conversation with you. Let's go. So it starts with um, Six Degrees of Separation. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite indie movies. I from think it's way Drugstore back. Cowboy. Actually, if you're going way back, she's in that. She's in one of those teen movies way back when, right? Like oh, License yeah, to yeah, Drive yeah, or yeah, one of those yeah. Corey Haim type I of movies. Well, I, I would often get her confused with Terry Polo. No, she. Come on, that's raining here. God's crying. Chris Ed Sean's Lindsay Lohan take. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> License to Drive, Twins, Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah, and then she goes Six Degrees of Separation. And then Swingers. And by the end of that run, I'm just completely in love with Heather Graham. Oh, my God. And I'm like, there's nothing more she can do on a movie screen that she can't have my heart more. And then Austin Powers happens. And now I'm like, well, can I just send her money? Can I just send her my items? She might have been have to do? my number one crush in the 90s. She, everybody. For everybody. The best. Not Chris Ryan. He's, Not got, he's got a skeptical look on his face. <laughs> Ed Burns started dating her? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I left out... Uh, Boogie Nights, a mo little movie called Boogie Nights, where yeah. she's Roller Girl. There's, I just didn't love. There are a lot. She had, she's been in a lot of good movies. She was yeah. in Even Cowgirls Got the Blues. She's in Dickstown. She's Scream in two. Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. Scream Two. She and she, two guys and a girl, or two girls and a guy. She was in like good, a lot of good films. She worked with good directors. So even though she has like this kind of 
ditzy, blonde, you know, bodacious chick persona. She was always in good stuff. She's really funny in Bowfinger. Very funny. Yeah. She was always very good good at sending up her persona. She never, she did the turn to uh, ABC. Like yeah, did that show and, and it never worked. They yeah. built a whole show around her. And yeah. I, I feel like, could she have been the Grey's Anatomy lead? Oh, Emily's reasons why not? Yeah. 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 But yeah. she could Could she have been like the doctor in Grey's Anatomy? I don't know. Is she's she a, she's good a enough com- actress? She's a comic actress, you know? She's she's funny. Like, that's really yeah. where she she thrives. Great career. Kudos to her. I'm good in this movie, too. I think way better than what Lohan would have brought. And we, she's very with weird, like, 25-year-old energy. Her being, like, 35 makes more sense. Jack Black turned down the role of Alan, and thank God. I like Jack Black, but very, wow. Very this is a movie. totally different movie. Yeah. It's not nearly as funny and weird. And he's overpowering, I think, the other three yeah. guys, mm-hmm. which I think would have been dangerous. Paul Rudd turned down the role of Phil, Bradley Cooper's role. Hmm. What do you think of that? That would have been a unique energy from Paul Rudd. He would have been doing this Sex Panther. He would have to do Paul Brian Rudd, Fantana. Right? Yeah, yeah, Brian Fantana, basically. But then he would have been like making fun of it. Like you said at the top. I feel like part of what makes this movie good is you really believe Cooper is like mm-hmm. a shitbag. Yeah. You know, you buy it. When he sees, even when he sees his wife at the wedding at the end, it's like, hey, honey. It's like, ah, oh, you're a fucking scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but has Paul Rudd ever played a guy like that? I mean, not outside of like Neil, Neil LeBute plays. You know? oh. <laughs> Neil LeBute. <laughs> so Jeremy Piven during that turned down the role of Stu. No shit. And thank God. That would have been really weird. Tough beef for Piven. But that was like at the height of Ari Gold, right? That's probably why he turned it down. He's like, but I got Stu gotta, isn't, oh, because he wants to keep like, I'm playing. like, I'm in the driver's seat. Yeah, right. Know? And Stu is the third lead. Yeah. Mike Tyson refused to appear in Can the I film. Can I ask you a quick question, though, about the, do you believe that Stu, Doug, and Phil are friends? It's that, that I was going to get that into the nitpick. All right, let's do that. Let's then. save it. Do okay. we know when they met? It's a weird threesome. I guess Doug is the, you know, with every group, there's always the one guy who unites all of them. And my guess is that Doug was friends with them separately and then they all became friends, but Doug was like the centerpiece of it. So when he fell apart, they're thrown together because he was the connection with all of them. I was thinking about this a lot recently. I was at a wedding last weekend or two weekends ago and I was reunited with friends from college. And that, that group of friends just brings out a different side of me. I'm pretty straight. I'm trying to be professional here at the ringer. You know, I'm trying to keep it cool, calm. And then I go hang out with those guys and I'm like, yeah, fuck everybody. And I have a different attitude about the world. And so I feel like that's you have the too. attitude you basically have on the golf course when somebody's yeah, playing slowly yes, in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and different friends bring out different parts of your personality. And I feel like Stu, when he's with his asshole girlfriend, is one guy. But when he gets around Phil, it brings out like a different part of him and you understand it a little bit better and you understand why he was pulling his tooth out at a strip club. He is honestly one of the most polite and nicest people I know. But like if you have, it could be like, there could be like a 75-year-old woman playing in front of us and she's clearly arthritic. (laughs) And he'll be like, I gotta go fucking talk to her. She's killing me. What is she doing out there? I'm just like, well, she's just trying to enjoy golf just like us. He's like, fuck that. We're playing through. Turns into a fucking animal. Lord of the Flies in the golf course. I can't deny it. I can't deny it. One of the reasons I like the Rachel Harris character so much and the whole Stu thing is because everybody has their version of Stu, that relationship in their life, Mm -hmm. and usually end up not being as close with those people. It's hard to hang. Yeah. It's tough. So Philip said, oh, Mike Tyson refused to appear in the film, changed his mind when he found out Todd Phillips directed Old School, which he really liked. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, good. Old school is awesome. That makes sense. Philip said the Galifianakis character was written as the brother-in-law as a younger brother that they had to take along with them. And they were thinking like a Jonah Hill type. Hmm. And then he realized it would actually be funnier if it was an older brother. So the other one they were looking at was Thomas Hayden Church, and they settled on Galifianakis. Also a different movie. Yeah. I could see Jonah, like a Jonah type more in, than a Thomas Hayden Church yeah. type. Yeah, yeah, Dion Waiter's a word. Whew. I mean, look at that. I have seven names here for this. I, I, think it's, I actually think it's pretty easy. Okay, can I give the candidates? Sure. Jeffrey Tambor as the father-in-law? <laughs> he's, pretty, on a, he's on a heater. <laughs> pretty subdued performance by him, yeah. honestly. But always in on, Make always sure in with knowing that Vegas tires. is going to go badly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to feel like that's how I would be as the father-in-law. Really, oh, <laughs> I highly doubt it. We'll see about that one. <laughs> going to Vegas? I highly doubt. You'll be like, take the take the Tesla for the weekend. <laughs> no, I'd be like, I'm going. You're bringing me. <laughs> oh, my God. And you'd be like, you guys don't have to talk to me. Pretend yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, that's I'm going to play a blackjack. That's a major sin. Father-in-law at the bachelor yeah, party we'll, can't do it. We'll see how it goes. Under no circumstances. Rachel Harris for Dan Waiters. The uh, the doctor who Matt only Walsh. has one scene. Yeah, no, he's so funny. He's great. It's on the corner of buy a fucking map. <laughs> <laughs> Get lost and buy a fucking map. <laughs> Brian Cowan, Heather Graham, Rob Riggle, Mike Tyson. Uh, I personally vote for Rob Riggle. Riggle. Is this a positive award? Or is it just identifying the heat check? It's the biggest heat check. It's it's the it's like the doing the most with the least amount of playing it's time. It's the hitting five threes in ten minutes, kind of. I would like to have a separate conversation about whether you go wriggle in this movie or wriggle in Step Brothers. Mm. Mm. I I think that Ken Jong should win this, even though I don't like that performance because he is doing a lot. He's really going over the top. Interesting. But I don't know if we all, we're only trying to acknowledge something. It's that weird we that like. this is like the 103rd pod that we've done, and now you're like undermining the, oh, the integrity of the Dion it's Waiters. It's good award. To, to examine what we're you know really what? doing here. Sean's right. I hate admitting when Sean's right. It's one of my least favorite things. <laughs> He's right. Ken Jong. <laughs> Ken Jong goes out in the court. Yeah. And he is like a Tasmanian devil, and he takes a bunch of shots it's and gets footers. rebounds. Yeah. yeah, he is out of his mind. This. Deanne Waiters would agree that Ken Jong was the I would Deanne almost Waiters make it owner. Brandon Jennings-esque, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Riggle is like Montrezl Harrell, you know? You're like, you really need that guy. Yeah. You really need in the, the face. energy off the bench. But this movie made him a he's star. He's not Austin Rivers, you know? Yeah. I mean, he definitely vaulted him to another level. He's really funny, and he made me laugh. He I mean, funny. there's a couple of things that are obviously we don't have to litigate now, but half-assed internet research. This was inspired by a real event that happened to Trip Vincent, a producer and friend of the EP Chris Bender. Vincent had gone missing from his own bachelor party, blacked out, woke up in a strip joint, being threatened with a very large bill. And that's what started this. Uh, the missing tooth from Ed Helms. I always thought this was amazing. It actually was uh, was really missing. It yeah. was not CGI. But was it a false tooth that he had? In his mouth, or did he? He didn't actually pull a tooth out of. No, his he head. had a dental implant. He was missing an adult incisor, hmm. and he had dental implant as a teenager. So they pulled it out, and he was just missing would, it. So he was doing this while doing the office, which is insane. And he would fly from Vegas to Van Nuys and go shoot the office at four all in day, the morning, and then go shoot uh, Hangover all night. And Whoa. he said, if you go back to watch this part of the office. He seems completely out of his mind and like his voice is slurred because he had like a fake tooth in. Hmm. 
He said like, he was just drinking Red Bulls and um because they felt any scene they filmed at night, he was also doing the office, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like Ed Helms? I, I like him in this movie, not, but that's okay. I like him in this movie. Yeah. Okay. I'm not I'm not an enormous uh, it's Ed not Helms actually fan. like Ed Helms, it's as much as like the guys that he plays. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Not you, my don't, you don't like that type. Andy? From The Office? Yeah. Well, not Andy Greenwald. No, Greenwald's your, fine. Your podcast partner. <laughs> um, I, yeah, he's, he's one of the most successful comedy actors of his generation. I, I know. Mean, he's been in a it's lot weird. of big movies. Even like Vacation made a lot of money. We don't think about him ever in that context, but it's like, He's been in a bunch of animated movies. He was in a night, the, a night at the Museum movies and the War of the Millers. He's in Vacation. He's in Tag. Like, he's in a lot of big That's studio right, comedies. Yeah. Yeah, He. it's weird. He's almost like one of those athletes that you never have a conversation about. Yeah. Who, who's, in a, who's like his counterpart in the NBA right now? Like C.J. McCollum. Yeah. Great. Although when you're in the playoffs, you can, you know, all of a sudden people are talking about him. But just somebody who's been really good for a while, but nobody would ever be like, hey, I'm leading my podcast today with C.J. McCollum. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, regarding the explicit scene in the final photo sl- photo slideshow where Zach gets a blowjob from a prostitute, a, pro- a prosthesis dick was used for that. And they found some old porn actor who actually did it. So there you go. I don't There's understand. All the actually info did you what? Who <laughs> gave him the blue, the prosthetic. Oh, I see. Great. Uh, this is what a great podcast. It's half-assed internet research. <laughs> they sold the script for $2 million. John Lucas and Scott Moore was rewritten by Jeremy Gerlich and Todd Phillips, who added the Tyson, the Tiger, the Baby, the Police Cruiser, a whole bunch of stuff. And then they had to. They went into like WGA dispute about getting yeah, back got on a little it, right? The two songs were improvised. And then uh, The Hangover had a major impact on Caesars in Las Vegas. Guess Apparently, quote to Caesars, two lines from the film's check-in scene, did Caesar live here and do you know if the hotel is pager friendly? <laughs> Apparently, if you're checking the Caesars, just don't do that. They've heard that joke. Mm-hmm. They're not going to laugh. It's awkward. Don't. Okay. And then uh, Galifianakis improvised the line, I didn't know they gave out Rings of the Holocaust and they couldn't decide whether to <laughs> keep it or be, not. That was going to be my best line. <laughs> it's the funniest yeah. thing in the movie. The ring I'm going to give to Melissa. You remember my grandmother's Holocaust ring? She's wearing it. Okay. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. Yeah. So they decided <laughs> to keep it. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Talk about Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films. They launched an ad supported on demand service with over 10,000 titles you can watch for free, including classic movies and TV shows. You can get, we, we mentioned some of them before, Terminator, Legally Blonde, Air Force One, Zombieland. Check out all of them. They are the presenting sponsor of our Rewatchables podcast where we are covering Neil! <laughs> oh no, my son! <laughs> Dead Poets Society, it's coming up. Watch it on Voodoo before you tune into our next episode. Voodoo available whenever you watch TV. <laughs> They make it easy to access all your favorite entertainment with the click of a button. Enjoy Voodoo on your smart TV, Roku, Chromecast, iPhone, Android, online, whatever. No subscriptions, no contracts, just free entertainment. I actually went to my Voodoo. It has the My Movies section on Voodoo, and I suddenly have like 25 movies on there because they keep roping me in with these Apatow five packs. Like just, just want to have them. Get to watching, man. Yeah. Voodoo.com slash rewatchable. Sign up, start watching today. V-U-D-U.com slash 
rewatchables. Apex Mountain. Justin Bartha. <laughs> Ed Helms doing The Office at the same time. Two for two. So I would definitely say Cooper, no. Galif- is it Galifianakis, Apex Mountain, or is Due Date? Mm, I vote this for Galifianakis. I once again find myself confused by the category. Um, if Todd Phillips? 100%. Yeah, Todd Phillips. Pro- is- probably Galifianakis, too. When you're hugely successful and it's also like you have the most creative cachet and yeah, this is just the peak when it was all going great. But Todd Phillips was not, I mean, this was six years removed from old school and he made School for Scoundrels, which was not a hit. And then all of a sudden after that, everything he does is a big deal. I think when you make $70 million for a movie, it's your apex max. Yeah, agree. Rob Riggle? Uh, he had like a sitcom on CBS, you know. The like, Dan Band? I think Wedding Crashers. Agree. Really? Yeah. I prefer prefer them in Wedding Crashers. But then they repeated it and well, like What is the other move that the Dan Band has? <laughs> yeah, true. Like, how are Fair they not going to repeat it? Ken Jeong? <laughs> yes. Or Community? <laughs> Whatever. I, <laughs> I don't really care about Ken Jeong. The Joey Pants Award given to... Um, oh, I had one more at Pex Mountain. Vegas. Whoa. Yeah. More yeah. than like Sinatra at the Sands? I'm just throwing it out there. I say no, but I just wanted to have the conversation. Can't be. Casino? I'd take Casino over this. What do you mean? For like Vegas. I'm just saying, was Vegas in 2009, was this Apex Mountain for Vegas? I think Vegas is making more money than ever, so probably not. Is it as cool as it was in 2009? I don't know. I wasn't really going very frequently then. You can, you're the only one who can tell us that. This was right after the housing crisis started, but we hadn't realized it yet. And they were building on these hotels. And then the housing crisis basically demolishes a bunch of casinos mm-hmm. there, but it hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I'm going to say yes. I think Vegas is like pop music. You know, it's like it's ever replenishing for young people. Vegas was in trouble five years ago. Joey Pants Award given to the best that guy or that girl in the movie. Black Doug? Mike Epps. So he's Mike Epps. He can't win this. He's pretty famous. Yeah. He's pretty famous. I agree. Yeah. What about Rob Riggle's sidekick? She's funny. I don't know her name. I don't know her name either. She's a worthy Joey Pants winner. Yeah. Because I don't know what her real name is. Who else is in the mix here? We kind of know who everybody else is. Mike Tyson's bodyguard guy. Who's Doug's fiance? Oh, yeah. I don't know what her name is. Her name is Sasha Baris. Okay. And fun fact about her, she is now no longer acting. She is a professional poker player. No shit. Oh, let's give it to her. Wow. That's great. Is there anything you think is better than when somebody gives it all up to become a professional poker player? That's why he loves Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> I don't know ever saying that. Sit um, at the table with Shannon Elizabeth. Like, is that, is that, you know, like some people, they're like, man, that guy moved to Vermont to work on his book of short stories, but you're like, it's, it's quitting everything to become a poker player. That's that's his jam. I would be really, really happy. Just crushing podcasts in my AirPods, playing for 14 hours a day, sitting 2-5. Listening to old big pictures. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> Sean doesn't have the balls to do it. Oh, my God, Simmons. Bill challenging even, me to step down from the ringer he can't to even pursue handle, my dream. This is what happens in this room. It gets it's so hot and it gets so weird. He can't even handle the Commerce Casino. He's going to quit the poker player. That's true. The Commerce Casino kicks my ass. Uh, if there's an old guy with a little oxygen thing coming in his nose, Tennessee's ducking that thing that's immediately. That's the fucking thing is I can't hack it because I sit down on a Saturday with all the fucking 
fucking fish Taurus and I can play great. And I sit down on a Wednesday with some guy who was in the Navy for 40 years yeah. and he annihilates me. And you're like, thank you for your service. Yes. <laughs> Here's some money. That's why I'll never do it. I can't make a living doing that. Picking nits. God, I got a couple here. There's no way that room costs forty two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me. They you think it's more? Oh yeah, it's way more, right? That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, two thousand nine. It's probably eight to ten, and I would say now that's like a twenty thousand dollars room. It literally maybe it was is. like yeah. a day of. It's open. We haven't booked it yet. We can get the like. Isn't there like a no. rate you get when you? No, I don't know. Maybe no. maybe that was a Caesar's approved trick to lure people to try to stay in a villa, right? It's a it's a great nitpick because there's no way that room is. I mean, did they ever have to like be held accountable for the damage they've done to that room? <laughs> well, that, I had that I have that coming up. Alan was the bride's brother. Mm-hmm. They didn't look alike at all in any way. <laughs> there's no way they had the same parents. Yeah, I think, Alan, Alan must have been adopted because there's no way that those two have the same. I'm going the other way. I feel like he does look like Tambor's offspring. Oh, but okay. the, but the the fiance does not. I just have to ask, how did they steal the tiger and get it into their hotel room? I know it's like, oh, last night was crazy, but how did they actually this get the, the tiger thing, like, into the Caesar's Palace? You don't actually want the answer to that question. But how like, did they get it in the Caesar's Palace? There's, You could go to Vegas. You could be there at five in the morning. There's still a ton of people in like the lobby. And mm-hmm. There's never a time when you can sneak anything through That's in Vegas. That's true, but I did like that bit from Cooper in the in the oral history where he's like, the thing about Vegas was that we would be showing up after a night shoot at like five in the morning with like tiger scratches across our chest and people wouldn't blink. Nobody, well, that is true. People would just be like, that guy got his ass kicked. Tonight. A tiger, they would blink though, I feel sure. like. Also, where'd the chicken come from? <laughs> I don't know. It's better left unanswered. All right. This is why we picked nits. Yep. Nobody ever thought to check the roof. Just to one straight day of looking for Doug and nobody ever thinks, hey, we, we should check out the roof where that mattress landed. Ed Helms has this epiphany 24 hours in. I it's think a bad job by all of them. A couple of notable things about this. One, these guys are stupid. Let's yeah. put that out there. They're definitely dumb. Yeah. Two, they were roofied. Yeah. So they're probably not operating with a full deck. And they think that deck. Doug was Very with fair. them at dinner. Like, yeah. they're like, I think Doug was here. I think, and then they they get misled to think that they had Doug with them all night. Um. Yeah. Yes. Doug, Doug telling them after two hours that he found $80,000 of Bellagio chips in his pocket. I'm sorry. I'm leading with that in the first like seven minutes. That's a very Bill Simmons note. Just like, hey guys, I'm super sunburned, but good news. 80,000 chips <laughs> right here. I'm not like remembering when we're in Barstow, you know, getting like chips. Yeah. What do you think they do? They split that four ways? Yeah. I think the room damage, which was my, I had that in unanswerable questions, but we can do this now. The room damage for that room, 20, 20K easy. Mm-hmm. I'm 20, say. I'm at 50. There wasn't really that much. If you really look, I was kind of studying yeah, but it. Vegas charges you $11 for a water bottle. You know that they're going to charge you $300 or $500 for a lamp that you broke. Also, That's they true. definitely soaked them on the second night when they said they were staying one more day. There's yeah. no question. Yeah. I found it hard to, another pick, picking it. I found it hard to believe the tiger didn't shit in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiger. What is he doesn't shit. What is he? Because it's a road game for the you, tiger. Do he doesn't want to take a shit. Like I, what are the digestive patterns of tiger? They must shit once a day. I have no expertise on this issue. Yeah, so. Sean, Sean's already quit tiger the, hadn't had his, quit the ringer mentally. I had had about, about, yeah, my poker game. Yeah. How can I sharpen my tools? The tiger hadn't had his morning coffee Vegas. yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This is my biggest nitpick. No rehearsal dinner for the wedding that's on the Sunday. This is your biggest, more than any of the Tigers. Ludicrous. They had this huge. It is. No, weird. I guess the Tigers it, the, the level this huge of wedding, but no rehearsal dinner. There's a couple of things. One, when Ed Helms hangs up on his girlfriend from the back of the cop car when they're like the guys attack them. And he just like hangs up and then they're like, just let that go to voicemail. There's, she definitely calls like the, the Las yeah, Vegas for media. the next, next Second three of all, hours she's calling. Doug's fiance. Well, she doesn't know where they are. She thinks they're in wine country. She calls, she calls the fiance. She calls like a bunch of people and it's yeah. just like, what the fuck is happening? Like I called. Or probably drive, call flies to Napa Valley to yeah. like kick his ass. And then also just the being like, yeah, sure. Cool. See you tomorrow. Like not that she doesn't really say that, but the way that it's like, I guess that is kind of what it was like back then with pay phones and cell phones weren't, ex- you weren't expected to constantly be in contact. But like the idea that you could just call and be like, we're going to be a day late for this wedding. But this was 2009. It wasn't 1999. That's like true. everybody has cell phones That's in 2009. True. I mean, right? they have cell phones in the movie. Yeah. I'm just There's saying. definitely texting in 09. Yeah. Bad job on tigers. Bad job on texting. Great job on everything There's else. There's definitely... 100% a rehearsal dinner on that Saturday night. What are you, you're messing Not to with mention, chips. <laughs> what are you I know, doing? I'm, I'm thinking about my game. Not uh, to mention the Sunday, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> we broke Sean. The heat in the poker comment, Sean's done. The Sunday outdoor <laughs> wedding at somebody's house is ludicrous. Why would I not have it on a Saturday? It's a great, great note. Sunday is an absolutely no, nobody, no go. Nobody wants to get married on a Sunday unless you're saving money. Wedding. I have in there bullshit. It's a money save. Best quote. Craig, no getting married on a Sunday. All right, yeah, man. You're, you're first. fucking your friends over. <laughs> I didn't know they... G- Best quote. I didn't know they gave out rings at the Holocaust. It's at the corner of get a map and fuck off. <laughs> Here's something I'd like to remind you of. Our best friend Doug is probably face down in a ditch right now. The meth head butt fucking squirps. Here's something I would like to remind you two of. Our best friend Doug is probably face down in a ditch right now with a meth head butt-fucking his corpse. That's highly unlikely. It's true. (laughs) Uh, Bradley Cooper on on Alan. Jesus, he's like a gremlin. Comes with instructions and shit. That makes me laugh. Phil was always our designated drunk driver. That was a very 2009 (laughs) thing. That Now it's like you can't even joke about that anymore. But in 2009, you're still kind of good. And then, uh, oh, yeah, I do believe that because she's grossed out by semen. And if you must know, he didn't even come inside her. And you believe that? Uh, yeah, I do believe that because she's grossed out by semen. It's just really funny. Any other quotes? You covered everything else. The whole exchange between uh, Alan and Rachel Harris's character after Ed Helms walks away, too, yeah. is really funny. Yeah. Fuck like, off. thinking about getting my bartender's license. <laughs> it was a real pleasure meeting you. Fuck off. Thinking about getting my bartender's license. Suck my dick. No, thank you. I, uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. I really, it's not like a great line, but it's a great moment that I just can't think of anywhere else to put is the way Bradley Cooper behaves when Alan goes on his blackjack run. When he's just like, fuck you, yeah. the dealer. <laughs> and he's like giving middle fingers to the security cameras. Like yeah. I've actually seen guys who like get like way too animated and they get way too familiar with dealers where they're just like, are you fucking kidding me, man? <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? You're just like, are you going to get put in jail, dude? I do the overhead camera joke a lot. You have the finger? No, if the table's on and run, I'm like, turn it on, turn it on, <laughs> yeah. put the camera on. There's magic happening right now, but you got to address it because the run is going to stop. Yeah. So you may as well have fun with it. Could this be remade as a 10 episode Netflix show? Could oh, by write, the way, we didn't write pick a, a book best of quote. Blackjack? What was the best quote? 
Oh, I the Holocaust line. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go to hell for saying that. Yeah. But yeah, that's the funniest that's joke. Oh, a lot do you of this have movie. enough material to do like a book of blackjack? I actually, I sketched out last decade the next book after I did the basketball book was going to be like a gambling, gambling book. book, a gambling book. Yeah, and I had it all sketched out. And guess what? Not fun to write a book. I just never wanted to do it again after the basketball book. Cool. Yeah. So there you note. go. Could this be remade as a ten episode Netflix show? No, I don't think so. It would be, it would be bad. Probably unanswerable questions. Is there actually a real drug that could make you black out, but also have this much fun for eight to nine hours straight? I'm going to say no. This is not how being roofied works, as I understand it. Yeah, can't speak to it, but yeah, this not, was, not that I've ever roofied someone or been roofied, but it's like it knocks you out. Yeah, it doesn't I, keep they, you they up. They say they don't say rehypnol though. They say some other drug. That's true. It's almost like this blackout Rufal drug that doesn't something? actually. Yeah, it's not actually so a real maybe drug. It's roofie. It's rehypnol. Yeah. No, but they said Rufalin. Rufalin. Oh, I it. bet it is Rohypnol, but they couldn't call it that or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or they're making up some blackout, but you can still have barrels of fun. Yeah. The ecstasy kind of version drink. of yeah. Rohypnol. Right. I don't know. We covered the room damage bill. Uh, bill. This is my big unanswerable question. Oh, Should, I have, oh, you have one? Go. I'll save mine for last. Does Alan die when Tyson hits him? <laughs> oh. Amazing question. I can't believe he gets up. Like when he hits him, I was like, this would be funny if Alan's like not in the movie anymore because he's fucking dead. <laughs> you think Iron Mike, even now, could throw a haymaker and just put somebody in the hospital? It kills like that guy. Yeah. The yeah, best thing, definitely. the best part about that is for a certain generation of people, you have definitely had over under triple digits amount of conversations about could you take a punch from Mike Tyson? Oh, yeah. And that movie captures that perfectly, which is no. He not gets knocked the fuck out. I love when he just stands up and he's got the worst shiner in the history of shiners. <laughs> They're just like, he's still got it. Yeah. Ollie getting up from Frazier and Ollie Frazier one and Galifianakis yeah. getting up from Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> the two greatest get-ups. This, I'm really proud of this question. Should the Hangover sequel, The Hangover 2, just have been a Blackjack card counting movie where it goes wrong and the casinos are after them? Oh, would you rather watch that? Like or they them try to go Thailand? back the next weekend. Ed Helms has a date with Jade, and yeah, and Phil and mm-hmm. and, and and Alan go to cards like, and take the. Phil's city. like, let's actually really do this. Yeah. We can make millions, right. and then it becomes the casinos. I would be are completely honest. Like I, I would have watched like a Phil trilogy, like Phil back at school, <laughs> Phil trying to like plot his next steps. Like, I would have watched, I wish they would have made a James Bond-esque series about film. Like a seven-up series like where we return to him movies, every seven yeah. years. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny because this movie happens right after, like, the peak of Kenny Powers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Powers and Phil, there's a lot of similar, they're like the comedy anti-hero, basically. Yeah. But I would have, more Phil in that setting would have been great. I like the idea, though, of what you're saying that is along the same lines as John Wick 2 and 3, where it's just like, we just pick up, like, right after this happens. Yeah. 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 You know, that would have been fun. And, and they, they go, go right back, back to they Vegas. get banned, and yeah. then Hangover 3, they're basically in Monaco. They yeah. decide mm-hmm. to change countries, and they go to Monaco, mm-hmm. and then more crazy no, stuff Macau. happens. That's where the crazy gambling happens Yeah, now. Macau, Macau, whatever. Like them leveraging Galifianakis as this card savant, I think would have been so much better than what they ended up with. Yeah. It, get, oh, well. it got too into like a, being a gangster movie in the other movies. Who won the movie? Cooper. Agree. Well, it has to be Todd Phillips because he made $70 million, which you just can't. I just think he's, yeah. I, to, you, I you totally can't get it. And, and Galifianakis becomes a star after this. But when you look at what happened since then, 
You're just like Cooper. See, Ka- I think you guys are wrong. I like when we argue about this. I think Galifianakis clearly wins the movie. He's the funniest character in it. Mm-hmm. He goes from being this just random dude who's in comedy circles to being like an A-list comedy star basically right away. And he's still the funniest thing in it 10 years later. But if you read anything about him, I never got the impression that that was something he wanted. And that was a question I wanted to ask you guys was, do you think that the guys who made this movie are embarrassed by this movie now? Well, well I think Galifianakis is. I think he's super he's douchey still, about like, it. He made two more and participates in like dialogue. Like When they did the oral history, it's not like he was like, I'm really ashamed of the hangover. But, but the money was irrefutable for him. It's but like for a guy like that living on his North Carolina farm. Yeah, he was farm. like a Largo kind of... Look at you. You can't stop playing with the car. I'm We're sorry, so I'm, in your I'm, head. I'm, I'm really thinking about chips, about... About you just want to go? Want to end the podcast and I, go? I Let's did go last night after cards. I saw this movie. Craig, who who won the movie? Uh, it's Galifianakis. The because I remember in middle school when this movie came out, or Jesus. I guess high school, Fucking everybody kill me. Craig. You used to like pages. Remember when you used to like pages on Facebook? Yeah, you would create a page for just like a quote, and The Hangover had a freaking page for every single Zach Galifianakis quote, and everybody my age would just be like, "It's a satchel, not a purse." Indiana Jones has one. Like all of those quotes were always. We forgot, forgot about, about that, one. that one. Yeah. The satchel has been a what's age the best. A lot of people have the satchels now. Yeah. How's your satchel doing? You've been carrying a man purse around? No, but my my father-in-law, who I really enjoy, one of his <laughs> things is he has the belt with the little yeah. purse right over his fanny pack. The fanny pack. Yeah. And he's got all this stuff in it, and I can't get enough of it. I make fun of it all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, I, old people are the best for a comedy standpoint with stuff like that. Fanny pack is an old man thing. You see that frequently. But the now satchel, guys wear I the fanny really... pack like it's a bike messenger bag. Yeah, I can't mess with that. Yeah. That's not my look. If we were interviewing somebody for The Ringer, uh-huh. but I mean, before you leave to become a professional yeah, I step player, down, yeah. and they showed up for the interview and they had a satchel on, would you be out immediately or would they have to win you back? What job are they interviewing for? Your job. Let's say editor. <laughs> yeah, your job. You're hiring your replacement. Sure, I'd bring him in. You got to bring in somebody who's lesser than you every time, you know? So Satchel would actually be great for you. Um, okay. Yeah, Satchel guy, new chief content officer. Yeah. What do you think? I, I would respect it. I'd follow him into battle. <laughs> Indiana Jones had one, so. <laughs> we got to get Sean a Satchel. Well, this is fun. I love the hangover. Voodoo. I love Voodoo as well. A leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy. Over 10,000 titles you can watch for free in their ad-supported on-demand service. Like Terminator. Legally Blonde, Air Force One. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. VUDU.com slash rewatchables. Chris and I are back in two weeks. Sean's kind of out on Dead Poets Society. Neil! (laughs) Neil, my son! I think it's a good movie. I don't have the same passion for it that you guys do. Oh, we have a passion for it. I guess you don't love poetry. Yeah. Nope, just poker. I I guess you don't love friendship and what a teacher can mean to a student. That's why I'm moving to Vegas full time (laughs) by myself. Until next time, thank you.